Hey guys, welcome to Inside and Out with Mike and Nate. Today we got Mike, Nate, and Lidskin. We're going to start off with a little bit of baseball, uh, particularly the Astro Sign Stealing. Um, I kind of want to ask the guys, how extreme <coughs> do you think the punishment should be? I think this is a pretty legitimate thing. You know, everyone's come out, there's been videos. It's not really hard to see what's going on now that picture is surfacing of behind the uh, Astros dugout. There's a TV that's being blocked. So, like, it's becoming a big deal. How extreme do you guys think this punishment should be? Uh, personally, I think it's very serious. I mean, you're a professional league baseball team, an organization with a lot of class, and you just shouldn't do this. I mean, one example is Brian McCann. You could see him, his average at home was above 300, and then away it was below 100. So, clearly something's not right there. I mean, obviously... It could just be his setting. He's more comfortable at home, but based on all this stuff that's come out, I mean, it kind of makes perfect sense as to not being okay. Yeah, well, if you compare this to, like, other scandals that have happened, and not specifically in professional leagues, but if you think about what would happen in the NCAA in this scenario, Louisville, <coughs> two, 2013, gets their title stripped for something serious like this. Not exactly stealing, but another sort of scandal. Kansas, they got their title stripped. Excuse me, Memphis would have would have got their title stripped if they had won the national championship. Calipari, Kentucky has gotten Final Four stripped away from him in his career. So, I don't think they're that the MLB is going to go to that extent. Although it seems like the most logical punishment for the for what they did, but and I know the NCAA is a lesser organization than the MLB or NBA, for instance. But if you're going to compare this scandal to what other scandals have been and their punishments, taking away the World Series would be the most logical and severe thing to do. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I don't know if I would, you know, take away the World Series. I think it's a pretty big deal. Uh, I do think this should be pretty serious, and I would more penalize them for the future. Um, and, and we discussed this uh, with Michael Barron last week. You know, like, Carlos Beltran is now the manager of the Mets. Alex Cora is now the manager of the Red Sox. You know, the question is, like, do you punish, punish people on different teams, even though it wasn't within the organization? I don't know if I'm going to go that far, uh, and I don't know if they should be tied to it on another team, but that's kind of, that, that's going to be an interesting hurdle. This is how I feel. I think that the executives and the managers <coughs> should, should be suspended from, like, within 40 to 120 games. So not the full season, but not, like, nothing. Um, and I think they should also be penalized draft picks. This is, like, really, really bad for baseball. And, I mean, this is literally up there as one of, like, the biggest scandals in MLB history behind probably, like, the 1919 uh, Black Sox scandal, which is, you know, notoriously known as, like, one of the worst scandals <laughs> in league history. So this is going to go down as, like, something that's pretty, pretty bad, especially with, like, you could tell what's going on. It's, there's, there's nothing to hide here. So I do think there should be a suspension. I don't think they should be stripped of, of a World <laughs> Series title. But it, it's a big deal, nonetheless. So it's, it's going to be something to track. Uh, and I'd be interested to see what that actually ends up resulting in. Yeah, so you mentioned, like, suspending managers and executives. And, like, I get that. I think that's a reasonable punishment. But I don't think you can mention suspending uh, managers and executives, whether it's GMs, um, Carlos Beltran, Alex Court, whoever, without... Like, what would you do with the players, then, who are involved? Because I don't think the there, players... Are players are, there's, there are still players, like, in the scandal that knew, that knew about it. Right. And what you obviously can only punish them if you have knowledge of them being, invo- being involved with the scandal, like, setting it up, whatever. Like, we, you, like, they came out and said Carlos Beltran was a big part of, like, the scandal and, like, right. how it ran. So, like, if there are still players in this, in this league which there probably will be on the Astros, 100%. on other teams that were, were involved and had a Beltron role, so to speak, what would you do with them? Would it be the same as same as going to suspensions, or what would you do? I don't – I mean, yeah, the players might have known about it. They probably did. But overall, it's the manager and executive people's input well, that is – Yeah. They're, like, I mean, they're, play, like, they're just the playing place. the game. They're right. playing the game. Like They're trying to do as much as they can to help win a championship. And I mean, even if they do know it, I don't think it's fair to single-handedly blame, I mean, blame it on them. Like, yeah, there could be a, like, a minor suspension for them, but 
it's not solely their fault. They're trying to do as much as they can to win the game. I mean, I don't blame them. Like, I probably would. Right. I mean, I would take, it's a competitive advantage. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you can – and this kind of goes back, right? So there is – Andy Martino from SNY kind of dove into the issue. It's kind of interesting, and, and this is why I say that. It's not illegal to have the game played on a TV and to try to look at the catcher and pull the pitches off of that. That's not illegal. You can have a TV. The reason being is there is a slight delay in the tape. So the MLB in 2017, they put in place a very an eight-second delay. So what that means is the game <coughs> going on in the stadium will be put on TV eight seconds after. The reason being, teams can't do that. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching that, you can look out for trends, right? So if you see certain pitch calls uh, through the TV, you can have someone just staring at the game and trying to pick it up. That's fine, right? It's the same thing as looking at second base. Exactly. The only issue is if you have is if you install your own camera locked into the pitcher signs when. And it's not a TV broadcast, and it's live imaging. Because then it's 100% clear as day you know exactly what's coming. And Mm -hmm. and that's where the competitive advantage turns into, like, the game plan, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I I honestly have no idea how severe this punishment is going to be. I think it's going to be pretty severe. I I mean, Rob Manfred, he said it's going to be a a very thorough investigation, as it should, right? (laughs) Because now we have these questions like, what happens to the players? And think about the Nationals, too. Like, there's not much they can do, not, I mean, but, like, still. There's so much going on, right? It, it It's the weirdest situation because we don't know if it's happened in 2018. We don't know if it's happened in 2019. We just know in 2017, they cheated. Mm-hmm. So, is it still going on? Did Cora take it to the Red Sox? Like, there are so many questions, and it really should be a very thorough investigation. Yeah, and I think one thing that everybody's, like, sort of, like, looking over is that if, the, if it were to happen this year, which is a huge, like, what if? Like, if were they still doing it this year? And didn't they didn't win a game at home in the World Series, I believe. I, which, I, it was which, all away, right? Which is, yeah, they yeah, won three teams, on the road in Washington. Because right. the Nationals took the first two in Houston. Right. Then the Astros went up 3-2 in Washington. Right. And the Nationals come back to Houston and right. win the final two. So, not only that, but if this, is, this was still going on in 2019 and during the World Series, how embarrassing is that? That you have this huge scandal going on and you can't win a game at home to, in ridiculous. the World Series. Yeah. Like, that, yeah, that's bad. So, I just can't imagine what the Astros players would feel that, like, we did this and we couldn't even win a, ga- win a game at home. It's horrible. You could say, though, that, I mean, I'd blame it on the bullpen. The bullpen was horrendous in games six and seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really have a lot to do with. I think they turned the to offense. the bullpen way more than they did in the past, right? Because, like, Garrett Cole was they didn't even pitch cash. Game <laughs> Garrett Cole was cash up until then. And in the first game, like, I was convinced this guy is, like, the best pitcher I've seen in, like, the last 10 years. And in the World Series, I'm not saying he, he was bad, but he was not Garrett Cole. Like, Our expectations of him because of his second half were so high that he when he was – when, that when, when he, he was a good – like, yeah, yeah, that when he was good and not and not outstanding like he has been, we just – we start to think, oh, this guy's not not what he was right. um, two months ago. Right. So, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting thing, and <laughs> we got to look more into it, obviously, and we'll update you as the facts come out. We're going to move on to another punishment, that being Miles Garrett uh, – Miles Garrett, there is this, uh, this, I don't know if it's a fight, but, you know, some type of altercation between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. The result was a Miles Garrett, it looked like a Mason Rudolph attempted to take off Miles Garrett's helmet, and that prompted Miles Garrett to take off uh, Rudolph's helmet and then slammed it on his head. Uh, that, is, that resulted in an indefinite suspension to the end of the year, at least, and that was upheld. The interesting claims came out where he said, uh, he said, Rudolph called me a racial slur. And it's interesting because the NFL is able to look into it. Almost, there's always at least one player mic'd up, but there could be three uh, between the center, the offensive guard, and the quarterback. One of those three is always mic'd up, and it could be three out of three. And NFL looked into all the audio and found absolutely nothing. I I I'm questioning. I think this is this might be worse than the actual altercation itself. What do you think it means for him to be making up at least from what it sounds like 
you know, that another player was calling him racial slurs. Well, I was actually uh, sitting at Jersey Mike's the other day eating some lunch, and I was watching the TV, and I heard that even his teammates didn't even hear him. Right, yeah, they, so, they like, asked his teammates, and they're like, I've never heard of it. Yeah, so obviously he's trying to make it seem like Mason Rudolph started it and instigated it, but I don't think that after, like, a week of it, you can't just come out, out of nowhere and say, like, oh, he called me this. <laughs> right. I don't think that's very right of what actually happened. The, the, the most interesting detail about it was it wasn't that they, they asked teammates from both sides. They asked Miles Garrett's teammate, the Browns teammate. Baker Mayfield. They asked Baker, and they asked the offensive guard. They're like, did you hear this? He goes, no. They said, did, you, did, did he tell you that this happened? He goes, no. So, like, you know, of anyone that should hear this, like, it should be them. And no one heard it, and no one even told them. You know, so it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a couple fishy things. Nathan mentions the um, like the offensive lineman. You guys, you guys mentioned nobody else heard it. I think there's there's that aspect to it. There's also the timeliness of when he said it. Like you don't just say this after the, after a week. Like if this, if it's if something that serious happens, like you say it right away. That'll come out right away. Like yeah. and it would it would come out sooner than a week after the game game had already happened. And I also think at at this point, I think. I, we're mad because he now said this a, a week after, and he avoided the worst-case scenario. Mason Rudolph isn't pressing charges for, for what he did, right. which he very easily could. Oh, Miles Garrett sure. used the helmet as a weapon, and he very easily could have gone to jail for that it, right. if, he was, if it wasn't in a controlled environment in the game. Right. So Mason Rudolph doesn't press charges. You've now avoided the worst-case scenario. Take your, susp- take your suspension. You clearly did something wrong. But now he goes out and lies, lies about this. Like, you're just making the scenario worse. Right. And it's not helping anybody. Right. So, and nobody agrees with you at this point. Baker Mayfield sent his interview right after the game. Yeah. The first thing he said was, oh, I think he definitely is going to be suspended. Yeah. So, no, nobody agreed with his action. Nobody thought lying about it was a good thing. And as a result, it's making more and more people upset about the situation. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. And... I, I, I really just think this lying thing is, is not helping his cause. So He's just making it worse on himself. Right. Like, you're already suspended for the season, the rest of the season. I mean, you might as well just take it. But if you're going to keep on making false accusations, like... You're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. It's just yeah. going to, like, you're going to get caught for lying and all that stuff. And the right. punishment's just going to keep piling on and going worse. Right. Right, right when the Browns were turning it around, too. That was their second win right. in a row, I believe. Yeah. And... Now they have the Dolphins this week, yeah. so they should be able to win that one. But yeah. who who knows if that's going to happen right. now because the Dolphins are playing relatively better, and now the Browns are going through all this right in the middle, right in the middle of when they're turning the season. And I, I could be wrong. I think he's leading. I think he's leading the AFC in sacks right now. He's he's one of the top guys. There. Yeah, he, he was one of the front runners for Defensive Player right, of the Year, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, he really hurt himself with mm-hmm. all this. I want to move on to Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's kind of funny. Le'Veon Bell posted on his. Instagram, um, Instagram and Twitter, it was a post that pretty much said, you know, I'm done with this. The NFL keeps on drug testing me. He had claimed it was his fourth time he's been drug tested. Um, my question uh, for you guys, where do you, like, how bad is it that the NFL is doing this? Is it warranted? And does he have, like, is this a fair complaint? Does he have the right to complain about this? I think he does. I mean... He's, it's the same thing for every player. You shouldn't have to be drug tested four times in one season. I mean, right. It's extreme. He was, if you, if you pass three times in a row, then what, what is telling you to take it to fourth? I think that since he might have had stuff in his past. Right, I mean, yeah. That they're a little suspicious with him, but, I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong this year. He's been playing well for the Jets, doing his thing. I mean, the Jets have been struggling. He hasn't been, like. Unbelievable. Yeah, but four times and like it's week twelve. I mean, it's not even like he had like some one hundred fifty yard game and yeah. like he looked like some absolute freak. <laughs> like he's he's been fine. He's he hasn't even had a hundred yard game this year. He hasn't been like he was at the Steelers, right? And they're and they're like they're thinking this guy is like on roids because he's playing below what he always has. I don't know. I I, I think it's. I don't think it's fair, but what do you think? Yeah, I think the NFL, the problem with this, and Le'Veon's got a legitimate point, there's no system to how they drug test players. It's just, it could be Suspicion. at any time. It could be at any time. Yeah. And 
there's clearly a bias in the NFL about which players they don't like and which players they do like. The NFL doesn't like big personality guys. Yeah. And so, and Le'Veon's one of them. Uh-huh. Not that he's toxic like some of the other guys are, but he's not afraid to speak his mind about about who he is and what and what he stands for. Right. So, I think the NFL, in my opinion, they need to test every player before the season because you have all this stuff come out in the offseason about guy, guys t- doing steroids and stuff like that. So, and then after that, every player in the first eight weeks gets randomly tested once. And you have to keep that element of random, but you have to also sustain it to a time period. So that way, you can't just do this where you're testing guys over and over again. Right. So I would test them once randomly in the first eight weeks. Same thing in the second second eight weeks. Second nine weeks, really, because of week 17. But uh, one random time in the second nine weeks, and then... I think every player that makes the playoffs gets tested before each individual round. Because it's just really not fair to keep randomly testing guys. Like, needles hurt. Like, it's not, like, fun to get poked with a needle over and yeah. over again. And right. while you can give a urine sample, it's not as accurate as a blood, a blood sample. Right. So, this, there's just, there's a legitimate problem. Le'Veon has a legitimate case that he shouldn't be have to go through this four times, once every three weeks on average. Yeah, I mean, I got three shots the other day. It's not fun. I mean, I'm sure their needles are probably a lot sharper, too. I mean, it's just something that you got to change. I agree with Jonathan, Jay Liddy. I think that they need to get rid of the way they do it and move on to a new system that's productive for each player. So I think that's just what's going to happen. I don't think they're – I mean, listen, you know, you, you're pushing out this organized plan. I don't think the, you think that they are, like, as receptive as they really are. If you look at the history, think about how they handled a concussion issue. Players were complaining about concussions. Former players were saying that they had, you know, brain issues because of concussions. And they didn't acknowledge it. They tried to minimize what it – you know, how serious it was. So – I don't think they're going to change anything. I, I honestly think they're just going to, you know, let whatever happened, happen. Uh, but I, I do think Le'Veon Bell has a, has a legitimate case. To, if you're drug tested four times and you're, you know, you pass all three, what makes you think the fourth one's going to do anything? Obviously, there is some type of history. And while I do like Blitzkin's, you know, plan in place, the only issue I could see is if someone fails it, can you al- then alter it, which I think... You know, if, if you mm-hmm. fail a drug test, that's when things get serious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there has to be, like, strict guidelines for that, for that too. And one other thing I want to mention, Le'Veon isn't the only one complaining about this. And it's not even just the NFL. Like, da- Danny Green the other day for the Lakers came out and said something about it, too, that he was randomly drug, drug tested. Yeah. And he, ma- he, like, made a joke about it and took it lightly because he said he threw down a dunk the other yeah. day. He's like, I threw yeah. my, down my first dunk all season and I get drug tested, yeah. shocker, or something like that. But... I mean, you just point. You point to that. You point to Le'Veon, he, and Le'Veon's not the only one complaining about this. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem in every single sport that there's no system for this. And I, I a few years ago, Pat McAfee had uh, you know the punter had this huge hit on the guy in the sideline, and the next day he got drug tested. Yeah, he put the entire letter up on his Twitter and was like crazy. I hit a guy this hard, and they think I'm on steroids. You know, it. He's a punter. Yeah, he's a punter. Like <laughs> who cares? Yeah. So it. I don't know. You know, it's it's a weird thing. I kind of want to transition into the to the MLB, mostly because this is this is when you it was the Rule Five uh, draft. It, it's when you had to pick which players you wanted to keep and which players you wanted to let go. Uh, the interesting with this, a lot of guys end up being like studs uh, in this. There, these are players that they have four years. They've been on this ro- on on the minor league roster for four years. So it's every player, let's take an organization like the Cubs, every player that's been on the Cubs for four years and doesn't have major league experience. Those players are then subject to waivers, right? If a guy is super intriguing and a top 20 prospect inside that certain team's base, they're probably going to retain him. It depends on the flexibility of a team. If they have, you know, 30 out of 40 spots, they can be a little bit more versatile, um, but if they're filled like 38, they could probably take their maybe top one or top, you know, top two guys. So you always see kind of some people slip. And when you do this, like a team that's maybe at 30, 
eight, right, you'll add four guys that you really like. What that means is you got to go cut to um, or DFA them. So this this happened uh, yesterday. This is being Friday. Jacoby Ellsbury was cut. Okay, that that's going to definitely raise some eyes just because it was such a horrible signing. Uh, Greg Bird was DFA'd. Nick Goody, uh, the reliever from the Indians, um, was DFA'd. Geraldo Parra, uh, baby shark for the Nats, was headed to Japan. Um, and in addition to this, Chris Martin uh, re-signed with the Braves. My take on all this, I mean, Ellsbury was a complete disaster. He was God. horrible. For a guy that was paid for a seven-year contract, $156 million, he played 400 80 games. That's three seasons on a seven-year contract. He didn't even play half of the contract. And he was not even good when he played. He had us below 100 WRC+, meaning he was a below-average hitter. For a guy that looked like a stud on the Cardinals, he was a complete disaster. Or was it the Red, Red Sox? Sox? Red Sox. Red Sox. It was a complete disaster for the Yankees. Um, Greg Bird... I don't, I don't know what the heck happened to him. He fell off. He wow. had this one year where he hit like 40 bombs and then silent. And he can't even hit for contact. He was hitting like 180 last year. You could say that his injuries played a role in it, but... <sighs> y- yes. Being but... a Yankees fan, I've never been a fan of him. But even I mean... Luke Voigt has dealt with injuries, and he looks fine. Yeah, Luke <laughs> Voigt's just... He's a beast. He's an he's, adorable he... species. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> I want to touch on this Ellsbury thing, though, because, like... I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like just forgot that Jacoby Ellsbury was even on the Yankees team. He's been awful. Just it's, it was all kind of bad. Yeah. So he so he signs a seven year, one hundred fifty six million dollar deal, and everyone's freaking out. But what I'm more concerned about is that this didn't it didn't affect the Yankees at all. They were still able to get all these all these guys that they wanted to. They had their young guys come up. They just. They gave him all this money and it just and he was terrible and it didn't mean anything. Like if this if the, right. if this were to happen to a team like let's let's take the Oakland Athletics White for Sox. instance, the White, White Sox, Sox, the Oakland Athletics yeah. for instance, it would kill them. Yeah. They would be done for the next that's, five that's to seven their years. Entire cap on one player. Right. That, if they yeah. had that a player on that kind of contract and he was bad, that would kill them for the next right. five to seven years. Well, that's what happens when you have an owner that wants a you know wants a winning team. Unfortunately, you know, Major League Baseball is a sport where. The team success, yes, it comes down to the moves you make, and that's a huge part of it. But when it comes down to it, the top half of the MLB will only be owners that are willing to spend or owners that are not willing to spend that have unbelievable general managers. And when you get to the top five, you're usually talking about teams that spend more than the luxury tax and in addition to that have great GMs. So we're talking about a very limited group of teams. And the Yankees are up there. <laughs> Cashman's a genius, and they will always spend money to put up a winning team. It's the Yankees. They have like twenty titles. They're gonna do whatever it 26. takes. Yeah, they they're gonna do whatever it takes to win games. So that that plays a big part. I don't know what they were seeing in him. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. And you know now we're seeing you want to assess for this huge bust. You know, and there but there's examples of this working out. Uh, it's got to be something we look into. Scherzer, right? Scherzer is like the best seven-year huge deal like the MLB has mm. ever seen. He's been a Cy Young candidate like each in the four top three finisher in each of the mm. past four years. Nick Goody, uh, a little bit of a transition. Nick Goody, reliever from the Indians, he's going to really attract some interest from around baseball. 3.54 ERA in 40 and two-thirds innings with 50 strikeouts. There's a lot to like about him. He's a ground ball pitcher. I think he's going to attract a lot of interest simply because he's an arm in the pen. And he has a, a pretty cheap deal from what I understand. The way it works is they take your existing contract and they put you on the waivers. If someone adds you, all it is is resuming that contract. So it's, there's no new payments. It's whatever is on there. That's what, that's what that team is paying. They know what they're in for. And for no negotiations, that might be something a team uh, that needs kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of, like to bolster their bullpen, that might be a guy they look at. Um, in terms of Geraldo Parr, I think that's the other notable one. I don't think the Nats lost a bat. The reality of it is he wasn't their best first baseman. They lost a fan favorite is what they lost. Is what they lost, yeah. right. And, and that's like, there is some type of, you know, that that is an influencer. 
That okay. attracted interest. But now you have more money to re-sign Rendon, re-sign Strasburg. Strasburg. Right. It's I don't just, think they're done both of them, though. It's one or the other. It's, yeah. It has to be one. It's going to be Strasburg. It's going to be Strasburg. But, like, credit to them for not re-signing Harper. And, oh, yeah. yeah because like, when you have an opportunity to keep one out of three and you get rid of the worst, that was probably a really good move. Right. And okay. I mean Har- Harper's just a disaster in Philly. He he's at like what two forty outside of his oh, yeah. one MVP year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean credit to the Nationals for going into that and looking into it and not paying him what he deserves. I think uh, we should move on to a recent transaction with Yasmani Grandal to the White Sox. I mean, what do you guys think about this? I okay. I think he's the second best catcher in baseball. That's my take. Behind who? JT Realmuto. Okay, that's o- fair. Overall, I mean, Gary Sanchez is in the conversation, but his defense He was a disaster in July. Yeah, he's never good in the playoffs. Never. No. He he has crazy power, but his batting average... Inconsistent. Like, I want to call Gary Sanchez a guy that, like, cannot hit for p- contact. If you look at his rookie year, he was a 280 hitter. Mm-hmm. It's a 280 hitter that's now... That hit t- 188 last year. 188. The power's there. It, w- it will always be there. But he was embarrassing in the playoffs. So and his defense is god-awful. It's awful. It's oh. the wor- he's the worst defensive catcher in baseball. It's up there. Eh. Up there. One of. Wilson Ramos is. Ramos is bad, too. <laughs> he's bad. New York, man. They Gotta got some, some bad catchers. catchers. So, Grandal's a, a big sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what they're doing on the They're side spending. Side. And, that, and, and they, they got a ton spend. of prospects coming I up. I don't know about this Jose Abreu deal, this three-year deal. I like it. Why do you need to pay him? He's 30, what is he, 32? I think he's 32. He's got the veteran leadership that they need there. Y- yeah, but the... But is he going to be the same player in two years when they're ready? Is, well, I don't understand. Why was Jose Abreu signing this deal? And this is why I'm saying this. He signed a qualifying offer, which is the franchise tag of the MLB, one year, $18 million. Now, what he did was he now took... This year, his three-year deal, it's about, I think it's about 18 a year, something like that. It might be 16. But the issue is, is for this upcoming year, it's an $11 million base with a $5 million signing bonus. Three He's year making 50. three or 50. Three years 50. So that's 16, right? So, okay. is it? Yeah. yeah. 60, so it's 16 a year. So it's it's less average money per, per, per year. And this year in particular, he's making $16 million. So he just gave away two million dollars, saying, "I'll get, you know, I'll get paid for the next three years." Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're paying a a person. Obviously, he's a veteran leader. I think he should have resigned for one year. I think three years might be a stretch for a guy that that's at a very undesirable position. First base is, I think that. If you bring back James McCann, you also have Grandal. You can switch them off at first base and catcher. And that's what they told him. They told yeah. Grandal, you're going to be playing some at first. But that's what Jose Abreu can do at DH. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's a weird situation they got going on. I, think, I, I like it, though. I like the sign, and I like how they're aggressive. Yeah, I like that the White Sox are making moves, first of all. Grandal was a great sign. You have a lot of flexibility with James McCann now hitting with DH. I think the Abreu move... Was more the three years on his part than the White Sox part because you like you said he's thirty two he's thirty two and we've seen this in other we've seen this in other sports when players when they're at at this age thirty two thirty three thirty one round when they try to get these three four years deals because they may not be the same player at thirty six that they were Chris Paul is making a ridiculous amount of money. Not the same player he was three years ago right. when he signed this deal. Yeah, he's so still pretty sick though. He, he's he's, pretty good. he's good, but he's not the same player he right. was. Okay, he, that's true. That's true. So. This could be the same thing with Jose Abreu, where in three years when he's thirty five and on the last year of this deal, he could be making more money than his than his numbers say. Right. Look at look at Robinson Cano. Right. This guy's playing like bad. Bad. I mean, I liked him. I'm a Mets. He got a little better towards bad. the end. Of bad. Yankees too. He was a, he was good in the second half. It's, I I. He doesn't ever know what's gonna happen. If you're good for a year, you're bad. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. I just. I'm I'm very hesitant to pay guys over fifteen million dollars a year Once in their mid in when in their mid thirties, mm-hmm. especially bats. They can they can really you know because pitchers are evolving these days. Well, pitchers are learning to pitch smarter. They look at Granky, you know, mm-hmm. and and look. There's so many examples. Kershaw even. Now I'm not seeing John Lester. 
<laughs> but uh, look at look at Kershaw. Kershaw's a great example. So he used to get by with blazing speed, and now he's kind of turned to a more complete set of pitches. He's a ninety mile per hour pitcher, but he's added a pitch and a slider, and he gets by just fine. So these pitchers they need to adapt, and it's harder for a hitter because it's hard for a hitter to get better as they progress. You there, don't, are, there are exceptions. When though. you get older, you mentioned, like, as a pitcher, you can add pitches. You can right. work more on your location. As a hitter, you really, beside, like, bat speed, and bat if your speed. technique is fine, you, there's really not a lot more that you can do. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, if you, if you have a, a sound swing, then there's really not a lot more that you can do to adjust as you get older, and if your bat speed's slower. I mean, maybe short up your swing, but mm-hmm. that's probably about it. Right. I, in terms of, like, aging players, I want to kind of transition it into Jeter. Jeter's, you know, this Hall of Fame thing is coming up. He, I, I'm going to give you my take as to whether I think he should be a unanimous. And also, Stephen Marcus, a Hall of Fame ballot uh, a voter, his ballot only has Jeter. I saw this, I was like fuming. So, I, I love it. I don't I think, love it. I don't think he should be unanimous. I think he's I don't be, either. I think he's going to be the second Player the question is not whether you think it is. Whether he's going be. to be. It should be. I think it should be. Here's the thing. He's the captain. Come on. Okay, yeah. Come okay. on. Okay. I would personally vote him into the Hall of Fame, just like most people would. He's going to get okay? at least 90% but, of the vote. 97% yes, of the vote. Yes, but, yes. But I agree with that 100%. But listen, listen on this. People make a narrative... Be- on his defense, because he made three really great plays and really That's historic plays in true. his career. His defense, other than that, was average at best. I disagree. I got a stat. I got a stat. <laughs> All right, guys? Here we go. <laughs> the war wins above replacement in terms of his defense by a player with at least 65% of games at shortstop. So they usually play shortstop is what that's, that means. And they played 800 games. Mm-hmm. He is the worst. Worst <laughs> Ever at the shortstop position. Not only that, but he's not like he's has like a like his batting average obviously is good. He got a lot of RBIs, but it's not and he's obviously a terrific leader, which just adds to his resume. Right. But it's I, not like his numbers were crazy good. Where you look at them and you're like, oh, he definitely is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You could definitely look at him and say, oh, his numbers are good enough. That like that's I agree. A, that's a legitimate claim that two, pe- that you could have and two sixty home I, runs. I think because of that, you don't have to be a good hitter. To hit, you don't have to hit home runs to be a good hitter. You don't. You don't either. And he didn't play in a necessarily home run era. I know that, like they started to move towards the steroid era. There were some guys still on that at that point, but you can look at him at, at his numbers and say like these aren't good enough to get get my vote. And like I just think it's going to be a little crazy if. He gets unanimous because, unlike Mariano Rivera, who was the first ever unanimous Hall of Famer, right. there was n- like there was no question he was going to be Rivera was going to be unanimous. His numbers were like the oh, greatest, were best, the greatest best ever best of all time, yes. like undoubtedly. And people like forgot his mishaps because there were so few. Right, enter like, Sandman, baby, and, and so yeah, with with, with Jeter, more saves with Jeter. Like it's not that's not the case. Like his defense isn't like. Great, like you, like you said, it's the worst ever on that stat, and his numbers just aren't like absurd that people are going to say like he needs to be in. Right. He's getting in because of his reputation and legacy. Okay, this tweet that I found says, "I'll get killed for this, but the truth is, Jeter was not was a very good hitter and a good, not great defensive shortstop whose career was buttressed by being surrounded by better players. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. He'll probably get in, but he sure, at least not first ballot." I hate this. I absolutely hate this. Like, this guy is such an idiot. Like, I, I you're saying he's a borderline Hall of Famer? That's just stupid. Okay, this, here's, here's what I got for you, okay? He's a Hall of Famer. I'm not involved. denying it. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's, that's the issue. And, and this is why, okay? First of all, this ballot angers me because there's so many players in this list that should be considered for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> the other thing is this. A WRC+. Plus, uh, that's weighted runs created, uh, and that's average to the ballpark <coughs> and the era. So this is everyone at the same time. He's 116. So that's 16 points above the league average, which puts him at above average. Not great, not elite, not excellent. That's above average. He's an above average hitter in his entire major league career. He has 260 home runs. We look at a guy like Gary Sheffield who hit, who hit 
509 home runs with a 290 batting average. Now, I'm not going to discount Jeter. 310 hitter, constant, you know, a good hitter. Well, I think that Jeter had more of an impact on his team. And that's where I'm going def- to I'm gonna disagree with you on that because here's why. Yeah, everyone— But he gets his teammates ready to go. I think he's been a great defender. We, we like, said already that he's going to get in because of his reputation and his legacy. Exactly. That's not, that's not a question, and that's why he should be in the Hall of Fame. But the the, the, stat, the WRC Plus stat that you just threw but out, it shows in basic statistics. His numbers aren't outstanding. You can't pay attention to stats, though. I, yeah, you can. We're in, the, we're in the stat cast era. Well, we didn't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, here's the reality of it. He... He commanded a team that won games. The other side of it is okay. Wait, wait, listen to this. Well, I, let me let me, How let me finish this. Fitting is it that he his last hit was a walk off single? Hold on, you're saying that he should get to the Hall of Fame because of one hit? No, I'm just saying like <laughs> it's just like it's just perfect. It just adds up, you know. Like, okay, come on. I'm not like putting we said, a guy reputation in. and legacy. Exactly. I, I'm not putting a guy in because his last hit was a single. I'm telling you that right now. What I will say is this. An inside-out single. He, <laughs> Come on. Here's the reality of it. He was surrounded by unbelievable talent his entire major league career. They won five World Series. That's a real thing. But is he the number one reason? If, if you look at this team, and this is the, this is the part I love, okay? Alex, Rod- Alec, Alex Rodriguez was better on defense at shortstop. <laughs> Come on. He, Not only that, was. but like you I, think about the players that he played with, you had the best closer of oh, all yeah, time. Wait, wait. Can I can I can I distract the Derek Jeter talks for a second? Yeah. You know who should have been? Who? Unanimously voted into who? the Hall of Fame? Cal Ripken. I mean, yeah, but it didn't happen. I know. It didn't. Well there's I mean, for Mariano Rivera to be the first. Babe Ruth was there were three voters that didn't <laughs> vote for Babe Ruth when he was first on the ballot. Three. I think some of these voters are biased. I'm not going to lie. They have to be. There's bias in everything. Though. Exactly. There's but, bias among organizations. There's bias in every sport. So well, The voters... And, and like that, it, it's the same reason LeBron wasn't the first unanimous MVP of the year before Steph Curry, Steph Curry was. That's true. And, and There's just so much going on in the sports world that just needs to be fixed, but it just can't be. Well, it's because... I mean, this is another thing. Okay, like... The 17-game season in the NFL is something that is supposedly going to come up. And this is why I hate it. I, I really do. First of all, it's going to increase player injury, no doubt. I oh, mean, yes, it's an extra sure. game. The second of all, it's going to ruin record books. And this is the argument they have against, you know, they're like, in baseball, it's 162 games, no one wants to follow it. You're ruining, like, no one can beat, you know, that Babe Ruth 60 or the Barry Bond 72 if they have less games to do it, it's not a fair. It's not a fair thing. And now, if you have seventeen games, it's a it's a it's a disaster, really, because you look at a team like Dan Marino's Dolphins, who won fourteen games in the regular season and then went undefeated in the playoffs and went and had a full season where they won every game. And then you look at a team like the Patriots. Patriots won every single regular season game and won every game, and that was seventeen games, and then won every game except for the Super Bowl. So you're talking about one extra win on that resume, but not the world, uh, not the Super Bowl. Changing things from keep the it. past, just keep it. Just keep it. But then, your argument is there's so many things wrong. We should just change it, but we can't. The reason why we can't is because it's messing with history. And when a sport's set in stone, you're I, you're talking to a very hard group, especially the old timers that don't like change ever. You kind of could say the same about like a college football playoff. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people think that there should be more teams added to it. I don't think there should be four teams. There should be more teams, there, just for the record. It you do or at, don't. It should stay at four. You think so? Yeah, but like, yeah, you make a you make a good point. Like, like there's like, been tons of discussions about that. And well, and yeah, and while um, we're going to probably move towards an 18 playoff, just because there, there's a whole thing about the Pac-12 and that the Pac-12 is going to need an 18 playoff to stay relevant when conference realignment comes up. Yeah. And for or, and for money and ratings and st- and other stuff like that. But you're right. It's the it's the same thing with the Roger Maris home 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 run record that yeah. he, that he had. How it's there's an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Change isn't change and more especially isn't great for sports because it ruins mo- the past. Mo- more. You, it not only does it ruin the past, 
we need urgency in sports for people to like it. Yeah. Like, nobody, that's, people complain about the NBA because the 82 game season is way too long. And right. I agree, it's way, it's way too long. Right. Players get tired, you have load management now, it's a mess. And, like, like making the NFL season longer, I feel like more and more people will lose interest in actually keeping up with the NFL when the reality of it is a lot of people, and I would say probably majority of the people these days, watch the NFL because of fantasy football. Can I say something about college football? Yeah. yeah. This week, SEC teams... Oh, this is garbage. This is absolutely <laughs> garbage. I, you saw I, literally will, I will rip into this. I okay, mean, wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. Okay. I, I the Big this. Ten has zero non-conference matchups and nobody has a bye <laughs> this week. The Big 12 has zero non-conference matchups and nobody has a bye this week. The Pac-12 has zero non-conference matchups and nobody has a bye this week. But the SEC, the same last week, is playing a bunch of cupcake schedule games. Like, okay, Alabama's playing Western Carolina. <laughs> Auburn's playing Samford. Georgia's playing Texas A&M. Okay, that's fair. Kentucky's playing UT Martin. And you know... Uh, LSU's playing Arkansas. <laughs> and you know why this happens? Because the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 all play non-conference games, and the SEC and ACC play eight. So now you have you have a shortened conference schedule, and the SEC. <laughs> the reason they play eight is because they say, "Oh, our conference is such a gauntlet. We're so we're the best conference. Like okay. we can't afford to play non-conference games with other people. Otherwise, people are going to get hurt." You know, outside has, of your top five, the rest of your conference is garbage. You know who has the most ranked teams in college football? The Big Ten. The Big Ten. They keep playing. Every, every, okay, Illinois is four and three in the Big Ten. There's so many good teams that aren't recognized in the Big Ten. Play one more game. I, I, I just don't get it. Like, it's the so ACC you're bash- and the SEC. Are you bashing the SEC? Yes, I yes, am. Yes, yes. The fact that yes, Alabama yes. should be able to schedule Western Carolina the week before they play Auburn is complete garbage. Well, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Ohio State's next three weeks, they're going to play all top 20 teams. It's like stat padding. Alabama has Western Carolina before their rivalry game. Ohio State is playing the eighth best team in the country before their rivalry game. Yeah. It's just... Not fair, and f- and why the SEC has gotten two teams. Oh, in the, the SEC is the best conference in the college football. Oh, okay, I'll say this: the SEC is the best, at, best at the top. That's unarguable. You have three, t- three, like five teams in the top fifteen, which okay, is really, really fair. But after though, after Auburn, but to, to be have- honest, the SEC is terrible. Yeah, like Arkansas hasn't won an SEC game in two over in two, in two years. Two and eight. <laughs> okay, wait. Listen to this. Wait, let me let me give my. Check gather your thoughts. Gather your thoughts. I want to talk okay. about... Wait, wait. Sorry. Pro football. But go ahead. SEC. Like, the last two weeks are arguably the most important weeks in college football. Right? Yeah. You have to show that you're at the top of the college football playoff. You have to play challenger teams or else you, you're like... Right. You're playing Western Carolina like... No one That's no not going to make you get yeah. better. No. Like, you can't... Like, like you're not going to know if you fold against a good team like that. Like, we saw Minnesota... They beat Penn State but lose to Iowa. Iowa's just as good. We know they lost by three or something, right? What was it, 10 or something like that? Yeah, like, they didn't fold. Like, they're still a really good team. Like, I was up there. I mean, you just got to play, like, just as good teams as you are at the end of the season to prove that you are capable of being in this conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last thing before we move on to the NFL. Um, people are, like, bash Alabama, right, for, like, not schedule, for scheduling neutral side <laughs> games and not scheduling home-and-homes like Ohio State, Oklahoma, those type of programs do. But I'm honestly would rather have the SEC have play a nine game schedule or schedule a real non conference opponent instead of playing Western Carolina. Oh yeah, until the last second to last week of the regular season. Okay, are we good for yeah? Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, Nathan okay. and I had to go on a little rant Sorry. for, for Sorry. that. I like that. I like that. Just coming from an Ohio State, and, and it, it's just like not cool, man. And with a top ten, <laughs> and with a top ten, ma- and with cool, a top man. ten matchup, this is the worst week in college football of the year. Okay. In, in my opinion. Uh, Outside of maybe like week know. three or something like that. Okay. On the NFL. Phillip Rivers. Okay, this is coming off of a horrible week. God-awful week. And that, that marks like two or three in a row. He was just terrible. My question is, do they stick with him or do they not? I think they should move on. I think Phillip Rivers is, is done. I don't want a Jameis. I don't want a Cam Newton. That's not what they should be looking for. I'm going to go on the record as saying I think Cam Newton's going to be the Bears starting quarterback next year. That's my take. Anyway. I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I do a butt bitch. <laughs> I think that they should draft a guy 
if you want to know, right now I, I need to look into it. I have my, my rankings go as followed. Burrow, Herbert, Tua, Fromm, Eason. And then the, it, inside of that, there's a huge drop-off from Tua to Fromm. I think they should be looking for someone in that range. I don't know exactly who. Jonathan, I know you have something. You know, you like... You know a lot about the draft, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you, what do you think about it? Yeah, so the Chargers have a really interesting scenario because Phil Rivers is clearly out of his prime. And just for the record, he's never beaten Tom Brady in his career, which for as good as he is, it's just a remarkable stat. Right. So I personally think they need to be move on with him. The char- They obviously have Der- Derwin James is out, out, which is huge, but they have a decent defense when they're healthy. And they have a really great running back combo with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. And really good pieces at receiver and tight end. Their offensive line is shaky at best, but that needs to improve, obviously. But they have a lot of really good players. So, Phillip Rivers is holding them back. If Tua Tagovailoa is sitting, sitting there at 10 and 12, 10, 12, the 12, 15 range, right. you, you got to take him. I, I, I mean, I mean he was going to be the first pick. He was unanimously, unanimously before the season going to be the first pick. Right now, he has he obviously is injured, major injury. Prayers up to Tua, but he's so good. He's so good that you have to take a chance on him. Philip Rivers is done. He he needs to be done. He, his NFL career needs to be over. His days are past him. And you have this young gun, gunslinger from Alabama that is clearly great if the, if they can keep him healthy. And so you need to take a chance on him. Okay, I kind of have some, I kind of have some questionable statements I want to ask you guys. I want, I, I kind of put them <coughs> together, and I want to get kind of the consensus idea between the three of us. Do you think Lamar Jackson should win MVP over Christian McCaffrey? I will tell you my response. I think I want to, I want you to ask me this in two weeks because I have no idea. Lamar is like never looked better, and it's very impulsive. To, you know, to, to talk about this, uh, I, you know, I, I'll go on record. Two weeks ago, I said, don't be shocked if Lamar went on a run. He, he went on a run. So he looks great, and he's certainly going to give CMC and, and Russ a run for their money. Uh, and it, it looks like I, what I said is, is you know, becoming true. So, yeah, I, I think I think you got to consider him. He looks great. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think um... – Lamar Jackson, he's proved he's a star in this NFL, in the NFL right now. I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey's done the exact same thing. I mean, if he gets the yards, the record for it, I think there's no way you can rule him out as MVP. But it's gonna come down to the wire. I mean, we're gonna have to see if Lamar Jackson can uh, clutch up and uh, finish what he started. Yeah, Bosa brothers. My question: Will Boys. Bosa brothers go? Defensive Player of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think, no. I think it's the Bosa, the younger the Bosa's wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think it's, I think it's either Aaron Donald or Jamal Adams for Defensive Player of the Year. What do you think? Let's yeah, I agree. I personally, right now, think Jamal Adams should win Rookie of the Year. I, I know you're a Jets him. fan and you love Did him. You say and Rookie of the Year? No, excuse me, Defensive Player of the Year. Thank you, thank you, Nathan. I got you. Um, but yeah, I, I think undoubtedly Nick Bosa should win Defensive Rookie of the Year. But Jamal Adams is doing something right now that is so. Underlooked because of how bad the season has been for the Jets. Absolutely, yeah. And and, and what is he first interceptions? He, no, so okay. he has six sacks and the record for his safety is eight. Yeah, he. Okay, so he on the Jets team, he's first, first in every stat everything. except for picks where he's second, which <laughs> is like that should never happen for the mm-hmm. record. You should not be first in sacks as a safety. That should never happen. With that in mind, I'm okay with it because it's Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. The guy is two sacks away from getting the record for all time. With what, for, five or six games to go? Yeah, for defensive backs, uh, sacks. He's mm-hmm. at six, and he needs eight. He needs two sacks in, like, six games. Mm-hmm. I think he'll get it, and I think he's a serious shot. That's that's something that's so, like, un- that's so unreal, and, like, we, you have to just really put that into context. And I think I've, you, said, you said it best yourself. Aaron Donald is probably the second best p- defensive player in the NFL this year outside of Jamal Adams. And I don't think Aaron Donald's having as good of a year he ne- as he needs to to win defensive player of the year Especially just because of expectations. Tackle. Yeah, and he's Be- a defensive tackle too. Right. It's not like everyone loves edge rushers and everyone loves 
people that are playmakers. It's really hard for a guy up the middle to be a playmaker because their job is to, you know, stuff the run Mm -hmm. and help other guys. When people look at Defensive Player of the Year, they really look at two things. Sacks and and interceptions. Yeah, those So, when you're stopped, like, tackles for loss, you literally could set the record for tackles for loss, and I don't think it would mean, like, anything for for Defensive Player of the Year. And Jamal Adams has the exact same number of... And he's doing it as a safety. As Aaron, and he's a safety. So, right. So he's just say. I mean, I think the only reason that Jamal Adams doesn't doesn't win defensive player of the year is just because he's on the Jets, to be perfectly honest. I agree. Next, 49ers the best team in the league. I think it's the Patriots right now. Seattle, New Orleans, Baltimore are up there. I'm gonna have them kind of above the 49ers, but they're nine one. I'm not gonna look over them. What do you think? Um I don't think we should overlook the 49ers either, but I think you have to, to to look at a lot of things with them. They've put a very weak schedule up to this point. Their be, their best win is probably either Carolina or the Rams, who are decent teams at best. And they, they've lost their toughest game to Seattle. So that's two things. The one other thing is they're very inexperienced, which is very tough to win a playoff game. We saw... Dak and the Cowboys just a couple years ago, that really inexperienced Cowboys team, lose to Green Bay at home in the playoffs when they were clearly better than them. They had beaten them by double digits in the regular season already. But inexperience is huge in the playoffs, and I think that's what happens when you, have, when, when you, have, when you throw the 49ers out there. I don't think you can rely on their defense to go that far. Like, the defense can't carry them that far. <laughs> they're I mean. also getting worse. Yeah they're, yeah. they're giving up points now. The offense has to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. With it's like with the Patriots, the Patriots can pass because the Patriots mm-hmm. defense is just unreal. And I think yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a game manager than he is a good quarterback. I agree. I completely agree. I've you been, can pass with Tom better. Brady. You can one hundred percent pass with Tom Brady because you know he is going to deliver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I inexperience I think is the number one thing, and then followed by they're not getting better; they're getting worse. They started off the season like really hot and. You can give props to their week schedule on that, and now it's just it's not the same 49ers team that we saw six weeks ago. All right, that's going to call it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, tune in next week. It's going to be a Thursday. Uh, so thank you so much. Have a great day. And, uh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. Yes, there you Every, go. Everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Eat some it's turkey. Great, great talking to you all. I like gravy. It's good, right? Okay. Oh, have, a, have a great Thanksgiving. Bye.